0: Hey, it's your pal Mike Shay from SlyFlourish.com, and I am here today to talk about running liches. Uh, this show, like all of the shows on SlyFlourish.com, are brought to you by the Sly Flourish patrons. If you want to be a patron of Sly Flourish, you can do so by going on to patreon.com slash SlyFlourish and help support this show. So yesterday I had the opportunity to run a lich uh, in combat, and I've run liches probably four or five times, like as a CR 21 monster, you don't really get that many opportunities in your life to actually run a lich. And my uh, one thing that I discovered is I have never run a lich correctly. In all of those times, there, I forget things. And I've written articles about a lich. I, it's my favorite monster. Uh, it's, you know, liches are my favorite monster in D&D. And yet I still have never been able to run it right. And I thought it would be worth talking about uh, my experiences and talking about some ways that we can, uh, uh, that we can improve running a lich. Um, so having taken a look at all of the monsters in the monster manual, uh, I'm pretty confident in saying that the Lich is the hardest monster to run in D and D. Uh, it is a high challenge rating monster. It's 21 and almost all of the power that it has comes from a huge variety of spells, wide range of spells that it has. Uh, it also gets a lot of its power from effective use of legendary actions and legendary resistance, and in particular, in, with use of its lair actions, which I forgot yesterday. That was the, probably the biggest problem I had, is when I ran the lich, I did not run lair actions. And that, lair actions are very effective for liches. Uh, but really, the big thing that makes it difficult is that it, A, has a huge range of potential spells to cast, and B, has very few actions available to actually cast them. And that means, like, you're not really going to get more... Of your standard actions, it's not really called a standard action, by the way. It's just called an action, but it's hard to differentiate action from all the other kinds of actions. So I'm going to call it a standard action. Um, if you think about fighting a lich, how many standard actions are you going to get? Four or five on the outside? Three if the battle goes, you know, is like a you know, median range battle? And maybe one or two if you don't play it right because they're going to get their ass kicked. So the sheer number of spells that they have uh, is a major issue. Another major issue of the Lich is it only has 135 hit points at CR 21. And at CR 21, if a Paladin and a Fighter get initiative before the Lich does, they're going to kill it. If, and they manage to get up to it, they're going to kill it, which means defending your Lich is also really, really hard. Uh, so, you have this creature that can pour out a tremendous amount of potential damage very lethal if played exactly right and it 's very hard to play it exactly right so I thought I would do a short video about how about what what we can do about this so Uh, I wrote an article, and we're going to kind of touch on a lot of the things in this article, called The Deadly Lich. I wrote this back in 2016, but I actually updated it just today based on my experiences from before. And I really think one thing that helps is to have an understanding of a combat checklist for the lich. What do you really need to pay attention to when you're running the lich? So the first thing is, what do you pay attention to before you start to run the lich? The first thing you do is say, who's the lich with? Uh, Does the lich have bodyguards and stuff like that? Now, one dirty trick for helping out with that 135 hit point problem is giving the lich bodyguards that it can transfer damage to. So, uh, shield go- shield guardians, for example, have a have a power called uh, bind or bound, where you can the shield guardian is bound with whoever's wearing the amulet, and anytime the person with the amulet takes damage, they transfer half the damage over to that shield guardian. So, a shield guardian is a great uh, way to defend the lich give give the give the lich a shield guardian amulet and a shield guardian and they can protect it then he can even cheat and actually move the guardian's bound ability to bigger creatures like iron golems so and maybe split it across a couple of them right so that perhaps you know the damage is split and instead of the lich taking any damage the damage is redirected to two different creatures and then the party knows oh my god we got to kill those creatures before we're ever going to be able to kill the, the lich Right, and he only starts taking half damage when one of them is down. So there's some tricks we can do with bodyguards. That's sort of you know we're kind of house ruling stuff there, right? That's not exactly as as intended. But boy, the lich needs that help because of that 135 hit points. So who is who's protecting the lich? Is uh, you know what's happening before the battle? Who's protecting the lich? And then what spells is the lich casting before the battle begins? Liches are really smart. They know when characters are going to show up on them. They got scrying and all kinds of other abilities. So. What spells can they precast? And if we go with the Lich's standard stat block, uh, there are two spells here that can really help the Lich uh, right up front. And one of those spells is um, Mirror Image uh, in which uh, a bunch of duplicates show up and then if the Lich gets attacked, they can, uh, there's the potential that one of the mirrors uh, takes it instead. That's a real handy spell. A little hard to run. And again, like we're making our life a little bit complicated by adding this spell, but it is a very effective spell to protect the Lich. Uh, and then, second one is uh, Globe of Invulnerability. Now, Globe of Invulnerability, be, it has, obviously, the major power it has is that the Lich is unaffected by spells of first through fifth level. But you might say, well, who cares? They, they, they have legendary resistance anyway. But there's one thing that makes Globe of Invulnerability super useful for a Lich, and that's its, its spells cannot be countered. Uh, at least, you have to cast a spell at sixth level, a counter spell at sixth level or higher to counter any of the spells that the Lich casts. So breaking counterspell is a really valuable use of globe of invulnerability beyond all of its other advantages not being affected by spells. Uh, Globe of invulnerability can be dispelled, however, and dispelling a globe of invulnerability does not trigger a legendary resistance of the lich because it's actually targeting the spell, not the lich. So uh, that is probably uh, someone trying to dispel the globe of invulnerability uh, is probably a really good reason for the lich to use counterspell. Now that's part of the tactics of of fighting a lich, right? If the if the players know, like, wow, we're gonna if we're gonna be able to affect this thing, we're gonna have to knock down that globe of vulnerability. We're gonna have to use dispel magic as an action to get rid of it, which takes up an entire action. And maybe you fail because you still have to roll to for for dispel magic to to be able to take that or cast a high level version of dispel magic, which is worth doing. Um, one of the problems with the Lich, like all problems with legendary monsters is it's five to one or four to one, right? So one action of a player is the equivalent of a fourth of an action of a Lich. And that's, that's really, you know, that's really tricky. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a, uh, so global vulnerability. So if you're playing the Lich as is mirror image, global vulnerability, who else are the guardians? Those are the things you want to do before, you run the Lich. Then during the battle, you want to really understand all of the actions that are available. It's not about the spells that the Lich has. It's about the actions that the Lich has and what they're going to do with their actions. Now, they have four different kinds of actions. Legendary actions, reactions, lair actions, and main actions. Again, just called actions. And we need to think very carefully about what they do with all of these. So legendary actions, in my opinion, firing off the Ray of Frost cantrip is a great legendary action. It's a very high attack score. It's like a plus, what is it here? Uh, you know, plus twelve to hit, right, without any modification, assuming that the Lich doesn't have any magic items and stuff, which we'll talk about. Um, it's plus twelve to hit, which is pretty high attack bonus. And it does an average of 18 points of damage on a hit because it's cast as a fourth tier spell, right? It's a fourth-tier cantrip. So it does 4d8 damage per shot. And it's doing that three can do that three times during a round. So bang, 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 right? Uh so that's really useful. If they're in melee, then then they'll, it'll be at disadvantage, but the high attack score still means it. But that probably if they're in melee, they probably want to use the legendary actions to do the uh, paralyzing strike. The problem is you're usually in melee with like big fighters or paladins and their cons are going to be high and their saving throws are going to be high and you're not going to land that thing anyway and you're going to burn two legendary actions doing it. So you're in a bad... If a lich... If a monster is up... If a monster... If a... They are monsters. If a paladin and a fighter are up against a lich, like adjacent to it, the lich is in trouble. So figuring out your environment and figuring out ways to make sure that no one can get right next to a lich that's really helpful because if they're next to it that's gonna be hard and it's gonna make the ray of frost cantrip not so good so legendary actions i think the 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 ray of frost is because it's only one legendary action to use it and it does a fair amount of damage uh and then if you need to the paralyzing strike that works well against rogues for rogue gets up to backstab paralyzing Strike against a rogue really good and another really good combination with the paralyzing strike the paralyzing uh, touch is uh disintegrate will hit that person automatically so if you can paralyze somebody b- right before your action and then on your action fire disintegrate on that person, they cannot resist the disintegrate. They'll get hit automatically, and it does you know, bo- boatload of damage and potentially turns into ash, which is like, eh, is that fun? I don't know. So that's legendary actions. Reactions. What can a... Um, I should probably flip these two. I'm going to flip these two. Let's talk about lair actions next. So on, challenge, on, on initiative 10, so a lich is almost always going to be faced off in its lair, right? And on initiative count 20 is when its lair effect happens, which is pretty much right away. So I should probably move lair action. I'm going to move lair actions up in this article. Uh, it should, you, you should always have its lair actions. And there are three lair actions, but only two of them are worth considering. One of them is uh, the, what I call the damage tether, right? And the damage tether targets a creature, and whenever the lich takes damage, the creature has to make a DC 18 con save, or they take half the damage the lich takes half the damage. Now, that happens, it's not a DC, I mixed this up and thought it was a DC 18 save when you put the tether on. It's not, it, the tether is on automatically. It's every time that target takes damage, which means if you have that fighter and the paladin and they're cast they are banging on the you know, lich with a uh, bunch of smites, all that damage is hitting that wizard over there or hitting that cleric over there. So really useful. You probably want to pick low con, low con um, characters uh, to take that. In fact, both legendary actions work best against your rogues. You know, any light weapon fighters and any, or, or particularly rogues, rogues, bards, uh, and spellcasters. Those are the ones you want to target with either of the two legendary lair actions. Or not legendary, lair actions that you want to do. So one of them is the tether. It happens automatically, and then every time the lich takes damage, there's a DC 18 con which is pretty high. Uh, or, or half the damage goes to that target. Really great way to handle that. Um, the second one you only want to do on the round where you cannot do the tether is... Um, you can, summon, uh, uh, you can summon apparitions that attack one target, DC 18 con, 52 necrotic damage or half as much in the save. That's a lot, 52 or 26 damage to a target. That's a lot of free damage. And again, when I ran it yesterday, I forgot. I forgot about the lair action. I might have TPK'd them, you know, if I had that. So, yeah, probably better I didn't. And I had a whole lot of other stuff. But still, don't forget about lair actions. Really important. And those two are really, really effective. So those are... Uh, lair actions. So we talked about legendary actions, we talked about lair actions. Let's talk about reactions. So a reaction can be done at any time, including on the, the, the turn, the, 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 um, the lich's turn. And there are really two uh, that the, and, and this is true for almost all spellcasters, uh, there are only two reactions that are important shield and counterspell. And it's tricky. And, and probably the lich, if the lich is looking around and sees a lot of spellcasters, bards, clerics, wizards, you know, druids, a lot, if it looks around and sees a lot of spellcasters, it's probably going to hang on to the reaction for counterspell. And it, it only needs counterspell in, in specific instances. Uh, and it's really only when the, uh, the characters are casting spells that legendary resistance isn't going to help with. So this is like Force Cage. Although Force Cage, the, the the Lich has Disintegrate. So the Force Cage is probably not one it would bother to counterspell because it'll sit in a Force Cage. It's fine. Like I, I'll sit here and let my golems beat you up, right? And then I'll just disintegrate this thing when I'm done. So um, uh, uh, you want spells like pr- Dispel Magic on its globe and vulnerability. That's a good thing to counterspell. But it has to be very particular about what spells are worth counterspelling. And then if it sees a bunch of melee people coming up, throw up that shield, get your AC up to 23, and hopefully not take as much damage. So it's a balance of shield versus counterspell. This is part of the tactics of the Lich is figuring out, do you want to cast shield or counterspell? Uh, We talked about lair actions. Uh, We talked about legendary actions. So now we come to the other main one. And this is a hard one, which is what action is the Lich going to take on its turn, right? What action is worth it? And you have to consider that you're getting three to five of these. So don't throw around like a lightning bolt and don't cast a save or suck spell and then have it fail, right? You want to do great big things. So of the spells that the Lich has memorized already, uh, I probably, I like Finger of Death because it does a lot of damage and it does half damage on a failure and it's scary and it looks cool and it feels like a Lich. Power Word Kill, which is great if you hit somebody at least once. So if somebody fails their saves or you hit... Somebody a couple of times with that cantrip, and you're pretty sure that their hit points are below 100, bang, power word kill, and they fall over dead. Really good if you can hit a cleric that way. So targeting the cleric with Razor Frost and then killing them with power word kill, that's really effective. Power word kill gets a lot of attention. Uh, disintegrate, and so those are like the top tier spells, right? You probably want to do one of those two. And hopefully your characters have a way to like cast Revivify and bring someone up that fell over dead and stuff like that, because you don't want just a player to be like, well, I guess I'll go play Nintendo. Um... I'm going to go play Animal Crossing. So the uh, then the next two spells in that are that it has memorized are Disintegrate and Blight, right? Disintegrate, again, is really good, especially if you can somehow do a paralyzing touch on someone and disintegrate them. You'll hit them for the full... You'll hit them automatically, and they'll take a boatload of damage. Uh, Blight is a... I think it's an 8d8 spell, so uh, whatever that is, 36 points of damage, to a single target, DC you know, high DC saving throw, um, and does necrotic damage. So it's not a bad single target spell. If you've burned all of the others, finger death, power kill. And I think like you can, you know, when you think about the spell slots you have available, um, you can probably upcast a couple of these like finger death. You can upcast to an eighth, and that way you can do it at eighth and at seventh and power kill. So power kill, finger death, finger death, probably pretty good. Um, so those are running the lich as is, right? Uh, yeah. And so somebody brought up in the chat right now, Thor, Thorbjorn 74 brings up, what about concentration? Or brought up the fact of concentration. Blight isn't concentration. Uh, I picked a lot of the things that the Lich does to ensure that it's not concentration. So, like, I've heard a really good strategy with the Lich is cloud kill. That it can, it can set up a cloud kill on itself, and it's poison. It's immune to poison. So it can constantly take uh, cloud kill around it, and then anybody in there is going to take cloud kill damage. That's great, but then you get hit by spells all the time. So cloud kill could be really useful. Uh, but I picked Globum Vulnerability specifically to get rid of Counterspell and also get rid of any other spell. So I think it's a, it's a question. You could potentially use Cloud Kill as your concentration spell, but, but um, I think Globum Vulnerability is better. And my thought is you really only, you don't want to have a lot of concentration spells because you're going to lose them as you go. So, um, now, so what else can we do? So, so that's running the Lich as is. Um, and if you want to see more about this, Keith Amon, who wrote, uh, uh, the monster knows what they're doing, has great articles about the Lich. It's in his book. It's on his website. Take a look at it. Um, uh, and Keith, uh, sticks to the monsters as written in the book. Uh, I cheat, right? I'm lazy and I cheat. And, uh, so my thought is what can I do to make the Lich more difficult to offset the fact that I don't play Liches very well? And there's a few things we can do to beef up our Lich. And there's varying degrees of this. Like, it gets worse and worse and worse until at the end you're like, I'm pretty sure this Lich is going to kill everybody. Uh, But there's some good ones. So the first one is, let's just up those hit points, right? Get that 132 hit points or whatever it is. Knock it up to 198. That's maximizing hit points. Uh, Jeremy Crawford, I I asked him this, and he says very specifically, you can play with the range of hit points within the range of the hit dice, and it's not cheating. So going all the way up to the maximum amount for a Lich is not cheating. Uh, give them go ahead and give them 198 or you can give more maybe give them 250 double double the amount they have right give them a nice round number uh so you just increase their hit points is one way to make sure that that you know smite 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 there's a certain level like there's a weird curve i'm sure somebody could draw a graph of this there's a weird curve when it comes to damage output of paladins and fighters that it's not continuous like a fighter who attacks three times and then action surges attacks three times more power attacks and all that and then paladins who are hitting with smiting and smiting eventually their damage falls off because they've run out of all their stuff right all those are limited abilities so i think it's in like the 300 range though i think you have to have a lot of hit points before you burn through all their stuff but once you hit that point you don't need a lot more hit points to offset the fact that they've burned all this stuff up 250 is pretty good 198 is good. And then there's some other dirty tricks you can do. What if, the, what if the Lich drinks a potion of invulnerability right before the fight? It lasts a minute, cannot be dispelled, cannot be countered, and gives them resistance to all damage. Now they've basically got double the hit points. Now, now we're talking 400 hit point Lich. Now we're talking, right? That Lich is going to live. It's a little annoying for players because they hate doing half damage, right? They, it's much... I I don't know why, but players would much rather fight a monster with 400 hit points and do full damage than fight a monster with 200 hit points and do half damage. That's just the way it is. But but it is a lich, and liches are supposed to be pains in the asses, and you should not like them, right? Liches, when you see a lich, you should be like, oh my god, a lich. I hate liches, right? Man, remember that time we fought that lich? Ugh, killed three of our guys. So you want that, right? So a little bit of annoying is, yeah, you don't want to be too annoying, but... Potion of vulnerability, great way to do it. I wouldn't stack Potion of Invulnerability with the let's uh, bind our hit points to the Golems. I actually think that binding hit points to Golems is better because there's like tricks to it. And you're like, okay, get away from the Lich and go fight the Golem, right? And now the Lich can still do stuff, but you're fighting the Golem. So I think it's a little better than just a pure Potion of Invulnerability. I really don't like the Potion. I might take it out of the article. Uh, you can also give the Lich magic items. It's not like the Lich has never acquired anything. And two in particular, uh, and there's actually a third I'll add, uh, two to three magic items that are really powerful lich. Uh, Staff of Power, plus two to AC, knocking it up to a 19, uh, and, and adds plus two to spell attacks and DCs. So now all its DCs and spell attacks, they go up a couple points too. Black Robes of the Magi are a nice one because your players, unless they're evil, they can't really wear them. So you're not just handing a magic item immediately to the players. Uh, but it increases, I don't think it's going to affect the AC of um, a lich because its base AC is already 17. But it will give them another plus two to spell attacks and DCs, which I think stacks with the staff of power. So now you're talking plus four to attack, plus four to DCs. No one's going to be saving on those DCs. Uh, and uh, the black robes also give them advantage on spell saving throws. So if somebody hits it with a spell and you uh, don't feel like burning a legendary resistance, you can, get, uh, you can see like, well, it has a resistance period. So that's really nice. Um, so that's another way, arm it with items. The other one is a... Um, uh, Ion Stone of Absorption, which is, uh, uh, it, it can absorb spell slots. And this would be a good one where, I, I don't know if it will eat up a dispel magic, but it might. Uh, it might only be spells that are targeted at the, um, I'll have to look it up. But uh, uh, yeah, there's an Ion Stone that absorbs spells. That would be a good one if you want to give the um, give the Lich more spell resistance. But I'm pretty sure between Global Vulnerability, Black Robes of the Archmagi, spells. And Legendary Resistance. You probably don't have to worry that much about spells. So then, uh, and here's one that I I do recommend. I think it's an important one overall, which is Liches are really smart. Why are they limited to just the spells that are listed on there as prepared spells? Just let them have any spell that they want prepared. Now, they're still limited by spell slots. They can't burn five ninth-level spell slots. But let them have whatever spells they need, right? And change it up. And every Lich can be kind of interesting and unique with the spells it had picked up. So if you have certain spells that you dig that the lich aren't on the Lich stat block, replace them, right? And uh, a couple of replacements that I like, I, you, know, you, don't, you, can, you can get all, like, you know, you can do the hard work of looking at the spell and replacing one for another, one for another, one for another. Or you can just say, forget it. I'll just worry about it at the time. And I'll pick a few spells that I dig. And some of the spells that I think are good ones to have memorized are Meteor Swarm, uh, if you're outside and you want to drop tons of damage on the characters, that will be better than Power Word Kill. And it's more fun than Power Word Kill because somebody doesn't fall over dead. Um, so Meteor Storm's a good one. Prismatic Spray is a really good one. I, I think it's a 7th level spell, but it does 10d6 damage in a big cone. Really nice one. Chain Lightning, I love. I, I think Chain Lightning is a 6th level spell. Let's take a quick look here. Um... But I have a particular reason. Yeah, so Chain Lightning is a 6-level spell, uh, which means uh, that they can cast it multiple times. That is a really good one to have because it does a a fair bit of damage. I think it's 12d6. No, 10d8 lightning damage, right? So what's the average of that? Uh, I don't know, 9 times 5, 45 points. So it does 45 points of damage uh, to... It looks like four targets, right? One main target and then three that are nearby. So it can hit four people. But the cool bit is it arcs through. It doesn't matter how they're positioned and stuff like that. As long as they're within 30 feet of each other, they'll get arced out. And it won't hit the monsters that the Lich has. So it's a very tactical spell that doesn't worry too much about positioning, unlike Fireball. Uh, And it does a lot, right? So I love chain lightnings, and I would would definitely give a lich uh, chain lightning, and maybe it uses that a couple times. Another one is Circle of Death. Very thematic for the lich. The lich technically takes damage from this, you might house rule that it doesn't take damage from it, right? And again, if it has, it has necrotic resistance already, and it's probably not going to fail at saving throw. So it'll take like six points. But uh, everyone else takes a big boatload, and it's a huge radius. It's like a 30-foot radius, and it's necrotic, which is, fits the lich. So Circle of Death is another one. So you might just drop those spells in as replacements for other ones. And an easy way to think about it is basically when you give them these big spells, they can only cast each one once. And that way you don't have to worry about spell slots and stuff. You're like, okay, Meteor Swarm, Prismatic Spray, Chain Lightning, Circle of Death, and I'm out of spells, right? Because it's only going to get that many actions. So uh, those are some good ways to switch out uh, what spells the Lich has and give the Lich some spells that are really going to be effective. My final dirty trick, and this is really like, you're taking the, you know, this is really mean, but I love it and I want to run a Lich this way, some way someday. Maximize their spell damage, right? Imagine casting, a, you know, throwing out a Lich. I, I think I put some numbers down here um yeah the maximizing damage now they're doing 32 points of damage with every frost ray 100 points of damage with disintegrate 86 damage with finger of death 60 damage with prismatic spray 80 damage with chain lightning 90 damage with the attacking apparition from the lair actions that is going to get the attention if you're running against you know 18th level characters and above drop maximum you know let the lich maximize the spell damage and watch their eyes go And now you really have a deadly lich. It's really mean to do that. Again, I asked Crawford, like, how do you feel about maximizing damage on monsters? He's like, it ain't like maximizing hit points. Like, maximizing hit points, you're like, okay, that's right. Maximizing damage, like, it's legal, right? It's within the bounds because you could theoretically roll that way every time. But, you know, be ready because that's going to be hard. And doing it on a lich in particular is really hard. So, um, but I like, I like that one, you know. And again, it's like, if you just feel like you're not running yeah, to a dark place, this takes us says snark Knight, Yeah. And if you are just not, you know, if you're like me, like I'm not a good tactician, right. And I'm facing five people and they have their character sheet and their abilities and they know them really well And each one of them. And I've got monsters all over the place and I don't know how to run these things. And I got everything else to worry about. And I got to describe stuff and you know, we're busy, right? DM's got a lot of work to do. It's hard. This is hard work. And to uh, then have to remember all these spells and think tactically about which ones. Don't forget the lair action for crying out loud, right? You got to really be careful. So give yourself a boost, bump up their damage. Maybe you don't double it, but maybe give it 150%, right? Just give it a boost, right? Add, add some damage to it and really put the... If you think your players are going to eat things up, you know, worry about it. Uh, the final trick I will offer, and this is a trick you can do for any, for any boss uh, is to test it out. And the way you can, like liches are really great for a few reasons. Uh, one is they could theoretically cast simulacrum and make a copy of themselves and send a simulacrum after the characters. And the, the simulacrum will go fight the characters and the lich will watch and be like, huh? So I got to worry about three counter spells around, huh? What am what i going to do about that. Right. And you can see, you can learn and the lich can learn how the characters face a lich when they face a simulacrum. The other thing is the lich Because of its phylactery and stuff, if the characters don't have a way of destroying the lich's phylactery, they're definitely going to face that lich more than once, right? And that gives you a chance to run that fight multiple times and change up the tactics each time to try things out. And you might discover that like, wow, I was so, you know, I was so worried my lich was going to get its ass kicked that I overdid it. And now the lich isn't as hard. And now the lich might have more fun and try out some other goofier spells instead of, you know, maximizing disintegrates on everybody. So testing your lich by throwing out a similar creature, or by letting the uh, uh, by, by by having them face the lich the first time, and then it returns to its phylactery and have to go hunt it down and fight it again in order to break the phylactery. That's a great way to handle a lich. So uh, I hope this little video was useful in considering how to run a lich. There's a lot of really good thought about. Uh, D&D monsters and how to work with d and monsters and new approaches. Matt Colville's videos about action-oriented monsters definitely came to mind when I was thinking about this. So lots of ways to think about this. Uh, but hopefully this gave you an idea of running a lich. Hopefully if you are planning to run a lich, you can take a look at this video, read the article, uh, get, you know, take your notes, pay attention to what's going on. It's worth taking the time to really understand a lich. And then hopefully you'll be able to bring a really fun challenge to your group. So thank you very much and uh, we will see you in the next video.